welcome to this week's episode of Compound Your Knowledge. We have three papers this week. One is a paper by AQR, another one by Cesar Alvarez, titled Market Sell-Off Analysis, Baseline Historical Facts, and a third paper by uh, Larry Swedro, titled Enhancing the Performance of Momentum Strategies. We'll start this week with the AQR paper uh, that was summarized by Elisabetta. It's titled Fact, Fiction, and the Size Effect. Jack, what is the size effect? So the size effect, uh, as most people know, is historically, at least going back to the, mid, the early 1980s, and academics have talked about this in the past, is that small cap firms, historically, in some data sets, had a larger return than large cap firms. Okay. So simply put, small caps did better than large caps. Right. And the size effect was first documented by several academic papers in the early 1980s. However, it remains one of the most debated market anomalies among scholars. Um, what did this paper find, Jack? So uh, this paper, at some level, highlights that the size effect really might not be in effect at all mm -hmm. uh, afterwards. So, um, yeah, I printed out the paper. I highly recommend, uh, if anyone's really interested in financial markets, you definitely read the whole paper. Re uh, really interesting. Um, so one thing that they did that I thought was really cool was they basically said, hey, I just want to go back and kind of retest, re-replicate the results of like the, the BAMS paper, the 1981 paper. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that they mentioned is, um, when they use you know, basically the same data, the CRISP data, using the same time period, they actually didn't find really a statistically significant uh, return. And so you might say, well, hey, why would this be the case? And one of the very neat things, and this is kind of why like, the CRISP data set is such a great data set, is the fact that academics have been looking for like, issues, problems with this across time. And one thing that was noticed, and they highlight in this paper, was that in the mid to late 1990s, one professor was like, hey, there is this huge delisting bias, mm. right? And what happens is when stocks get delisted, it's generally for a bad reason, right? Like you're probably yeah. going out of business. Yep. So like the average NASDAQ delisting was like negative 50%. Mm. The average NYSE delisting was negative 30%. Mm. So when they retested, when they- you mean negative 30% as in? Like return. Yeah. So, yeah. so in the original yeah. data set, that return would have been missing. Yep. But with the gotcha. new updated yeah. data set, due to the backs of academics who actually went through and like hand collected this stuff, what you find is the size effect is actually maybe really not there. It's one of the first things they highlight in this paper, right. which is a very neat finding. And also shows just um, you know, how, how much work goes into that CRISP data set. Right, and then with that data, we, we would call that survivorship bias. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, they high, they call it delisting bias, gotcha. but it's it's they're related. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, all right, so so just a couple questions on it, but but so has the size effect disappeared or has it weakened since its discovery? Yeah, so I mean, first thing they show is it really isn't that large of an effect to begin with. Mm -hmm. Like statistical significance, if you use today's like T stat of like three, yep. just that's it doesn't exist. Yep. What they do highlight is you know, um, and, and they actually do this for all anomalies like value, momentum, profitability, or sorry, uh, quality, yep. um, or betting against beta. 
um, as well as size, what they show is uh, it has kind of, uh, it, it was originally insignificant and it's still insignificant. Great. So. Um, and that is, does that go for all equity markets did this look at or was this just US markets? Yeah, so another thing that they looked at, because again, with other anomalies, which is really neat, such as value momentum, let's just stick with these, these have been tested in not only in US markets, but also in other equity markets and other asset classes. So they basically said, hey, let's look at size in other equity markets. What right. they find is there's really no significant premium in other equity markets, gotcha. similar to the US. Okay, and then something that seems to be true for some other things, does the size effect uh, mostly come from microcaps, if there is one at all? Yeah, so what they showed in this paper was that as you basically, so SMB, which is the size factor, mm. if I'm French, um, you know, looks at like the small cap relative to large cap. Yep. And so what they did was they slowly like eliminated the bottom like 1%, 5%, 10% of the smallest firms. Mm -hmm. And what you see is um, once you start eliminating like the bottom one, five, ten, yep. basically it goes, there is no uh, size effect. Yes. Um, so if there is a size effect, it's basically found in these very micro cap, probably, and as they show in the paper, actually, if you read through it, very illiquid firms. Right. So not, not, not easily able to be used if you're, if you're trying to invest in a fund or something like that that's doing it. Um, uh, yes. Um, all right. What any so any other big takeaways? I mean, I think we hit on it all. But yeah, I mean, high level. Uh, what they highlight in this paper is the size effect, in and of its own, is not a very strong anomaly. In fact, you could even say it's statistically insignificant. Yeah. So for people who just broadly say, "Hey, I'm allocating to small cap stocks for some reason," you, I highly recommend you read this paper to possibly uh, think through the logic of that decision. Right, and something we talked about offline though, is is, is there still a, a mean reversion in that if small cap stocks have done worse than large cap stocks over say a shorter time period, the last three years, um, can small cap stocks therefore have to do more to catch up if, if there is no benefit in the long run? On a stretching it. Yes, so, and on there, it just depends on a standalone basis, possibly not. What, I, what we were discussing was that, you know, in general, there's mean reversion, i.e., yep. like the value effect, right? right? So there's kind of confounding effects in here. Okay. Um, which they actually discussed in the paper, too. Good. Okay. All right, so check out that. Lots to, lot to update on, on, on known uh, facts, if you will, about small caps. Um, the next blog post was from Cesar Alvarez titled Market Sell-Off Analysis, Baseline Historical Facts. This title is fairly self-explanatory. Cesar took a look at the historical distribution of outcomes given a loss of different percentages. Jack, how did Cesar set up his study? Yeah, so I mean, high level, it's more of a, a data analysis study just to say, hey, you know, I'm an investor, I want to know kind of what's the probability or what are the number of occurrences of 5% sell-offs mm -hmm. uh, in equity markets. And then similarly, given that you have a 5 or 10% sell-off, how, how, what's the uh, probability, or at least in the past, what was the percentage of time 
that the sell-off became like a 20 or 30% sell-off. Right. So it's a pretty neat in, uh, study just examining the facts in equity markets, both across the U.S. and international. Right. And, and there was a chart in there that showed us the number of 5% sell-offs per year, which showed there's an average of 1.75% sell-offs per year. So in other words, a 5% pullback in, uh, happens almost twice a year. Um, there's a lot of you know useful stats like that to understand, okay, is this 5% pullback or 10% pullback? Should we be worried or not? Um, so we won't go through every single one, but, but what other takeaways did you have from this paper, Jack? Um, I mean, basically the, the other takeaways is just, you know, if you're an equity investor, there's gonna be a lot of volatility, yeah. right? Um, you should expect, as you say, almost two 5% pullbacks a year. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately, volatility is a part of equity markets, but it's a good read for those who are interested in just seeing the number of occurrences uh, over time. As well as one thing I thought that was neat in the paper was he looked at kind of up to 2000 and then 2001 mm -hmm. and found that they're actually very similar. Yeah. So good. The, the third post we then have this week was from Larry Swedro. Uh, as I said at the start, it was titled Enhancing the Performance of Momentum Strategies. Larry introduced a paper uh, that introduced extreme absolute momentum. Sounds extreme. What is extreme absolute momentum, Jack, and what did the results show? Yeah, so, I mean, in this paper, you know, momentum is, again, just you basically go long the winning stocks, right, ones with highest returns, go short the ones with the worst stocks, mm. the lowest absolute returns. So uh, an idea is to say, hey, we're going to do this, but in an attempt to try to maybe minimize outliers or random, like, price movements, we're going to reduce eliminate, you know, and they use in the paper like the one or three percent most extreme movements okay. across time. Got it. Um, and, and, and so what, it, what, it, what did the results show or what, what's the takeaways on this? Yeah, so, so doing uh, that helped to minimize some of the drawdown type events mm -hmm. that occurred as well as kind of increased the momentum returns over the past, you know, from 2000 to I, I believe went to 2017. Okay. And so could we call this, was this looking at a smoothing of momentum? Would that be proper to say? I, I think it, it's kind of trying to, you know, kind of eliminate some of the outliers in there. Um, there was another paper that we highlighted on the, on our blog. I actually went and kind of retested the idea, which was kind of look at like absolute momentum. Like you only yeah. pick a momentum stock if it's, you know, above some number or if it's below some negative momentum mm. amount. Um, so it, it's th this is slightly different than smoothing momentum. It's trying to, on this paper specifically that Larry highlighted, the idea is to kind of eliminate the extreme on stocks. E on either side. On either side. Yeah, okay. Um, then the, the last paper we had from this week, it's titled Momentum, Quality, and R-Code. This post isn't one we're going to discuss here, for it's just mainly a walkthrough of writing clean, reproducible code. Uh, but give it a read if you're looking to learn. That's all we have for this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Compound Your Knowledge. The views expressed in this recording are the personal views of the participants as of the date indicated and do not necessarily reflect the views of Alpha Architect itself. Nothing contained in this recording constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice and should not be 
be viewed as a current or past recommendation or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. The information in this recording is based on current market conditions which will fluctuate and may be superseded by subsequent market events or for other reasons. Alpha Architect does not resume any duty to update forward-looking statements. The information in this recording has been developed internally and or obtained from sources believed to be reliable. However, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made or given by or on behalf of Alpha Architect as to the accuracy and completeness or fairness of the information contained in this recording. Any liability as a result of this recording, including direct, indirect, special, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. Copyright 2018, Alpha Architect LLC, all rights reserved.